Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Madeline Pumariega, who is president of Miami-Dade College. Madeline and podcast host Amadala Walia discuss the nonlinear pathway of higher education to ensure students are well positioned to drive a meaningful career. Madeline, welcome to the Illumination podcast. It's great to be chatting with you. So great to be here with you. Hey, well, I, I so appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, the work that's happening at Miami-Dade College when it comes to expanding pathways to learning, creating different different opportunities for folks to take journeys that make sense to them, it really is, uh, it's been fascinating to watch. So, I mean, just as, as a starting point, why is micro-credentialing generating so much interest from from college leaders, university leaders, and employers um, as, as a tactic to, to create, I guess, more demand and more pathways? You know, I think that one of the reasons that we're seeing micro-credentials really take off, um, it's because it creates that pathway to the future of work. Um, we know the pandemic accelerated the adoption of technology, innovation in the workplace, the digitization and modernization of higher education, really of how we work. Micro-credentials, I think, give um, not only institutions, but also organizations the ability to kind of level up their employees, that it's not a direct four-year pathway is the only linear way for higher education, that it can come in with a college credit certificate that gives you those essential workforce skills that lead right into an associate's degree that then may lead into a bachelor's pathway. And I, and I think it's the recognition that there are ways that you can gain skills that don't necessarily have to be a long college program, but can be in these small chunks that are intensified, really focused on leveling up an employee. You know, that's the part of this that I think stands out to me most is, you know, I think a lot of folks in our space recognize that education isn't a binary, you know, either you, you're educated or you are not, and there's kind of nothing in the middle. And uh, this approach to credentialing does start to get us away from that. But what fascinates me about micro-credentialing as well is that it starts to redefine the role of the institution a little bit. You know, I think we've historically positioned ourselves as these kind of gatekeepers of knowledge. And by introducing micro-credentials, by being more open to skill development, it starts to create more pathways for folks who to, as you've said, create, have more, I guess, specific opportunities to learn work-ready skills. How do you start to drive that kind of culture shift within the institution though? Because again, it does, it does start to challenge some of the foundations that our entire industry is built upon. So I think one of the ways we do it at Miami Dade College is we have advisory boards for all of our workforce programs. The reality is that micro-credentials aren't evolving out of English Composition One. Micro-credentials are really evolving out of many of our workforce programs with industry experts sitting at the table with our faculty. So I think that when micro-credentials aren't perceived as this way to quickly microwave skills, but they really do have rigor, they really have alignment to industry standards, they lead to industry certifications. 
I think then that really does start to speak about high quality micro credentials, not just a badge, but really a credential that's going to lead a student to be able to have meaningful skills that have value monetary value in the workplace. And I think that that happens in partnership with industry leaders and partners alongside with our faculty and deans developing those pathways. And that also helps then where that college credit certificate or that micro-credential leads right into that associates. You're not trying to do it later, but you're really doing it upfront. Absolutely, meaningful design. I, let's, you know, that's actually a really good segue because I'm curious as, as you guys have gone on this pathway yourselves as an institution, what have been some of the most common misconceptions that, that you've come across from academic leaders and from faculty when discussing micro-credentialing? You know, I think that one of the misconceptions could be that you're going to attend a workshop and you have a micro-credential. Right. Right. And so I think it comes back to um, making sure that those micro credentials align to industry focused skills and the recognition that those skills can be learned in various ways. It could absolutely be learned in traditional classroom format. It could also be learned in a modulized kind of platform, and it can also be learned with a contextualized uh, application of those skills. And so I think that when you put in that kind of intentionality around curriculum design, it speaks to any of the misconceptions that we're just going to give you a credential because you attended a one hour workshop. Absolutely. You know what, to that end, I want to circle back um, to I think one of the things that that I've run into on, on numerous occasions when talking about micro-credentialing is the recognition that this is happening more in workforce spaces than it is in more traditional programs. But at the same time, I think one of the more common critiques that we get of our industry in general, especially when it relates to the liberal arts, is that folks struggle to understand the connectivity between that programming and the workforce. Whereas I think if you speak to anyone in higher ed, we know like the liberal arts programming develops the durable skills that people need to not only be able to enter the workforce, but to have successful and sustainable careers built on lifelong learning. How far are we away, do you think, from creating maybe granular micro-credentials that live within more traditional programs, as well as a a sort of rigorous micro-credentialing program that exists more in the workforce space? You know, I think that's an interesting question. And and I think where we can see some progress happen might not be completely in a micro-credential, but the idea of badging, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that, you know, if you're enrolled, for example, in an English 1101 course, and we know that communications is on every single job description, um, effective communication skills, and you're halfway through that English course, and are there badges that can be aligned to some of the assignments that then all of a sudden in your LinkedIn platform, in your digital resume, you can add those badges about effective communication because you've completed X number of assignments towards the completion of that course that might be over 16 weeks. But what could say that after four weeks, you might have earned a badge in one of the areas. And so I think that's a way to distinguish a micro-credential 
to me should be a stackable credential, leads to workforce skill sets that are required, potentially an industry certification. And badges are these series of competencies mm -hmm. that you can earn along the way of a entire curriculum, of an entire associate's degree. You might earn one associate's of arts degree, but within that associate's of degree, you might have a series of badges that demonstrate to an employer that you have competency levels in this effective communication, ability to work with others, problem solve, those kinds of employability skills that we hear often so much from employers that they want to see at the top of a resume um, and their ability to be an effective employee for them. You know, for folks listening, I, I hope that there are two parts to that that fascinate me. You know, one is a clear definition around micro-credentials and badges, which I want to say we've been we've been circling around the edges of for the better part of, of a decade now. The second is having that that approach that's so meaningful around program design and and recognizing and responding to learner demand. Like we know one of the most common reasons that folks either don't enroll in higher ed or drop out is because they feel there's a lack of connectivity to the labor market. They feel there's a lack of workforce connection. Um, we also know that many people drop out. Uh, especially in developmental programming, because they feel that these are just, you know, checkmark courses on the way to a degree. But by creating that, that meaningfulness behind recognizing and certifying competencies, all of a sudden we have a lot of workforce value that's being, right now it's implicit and we're making it explicit. That's that's a really, really cool concept. Do you know if that's in, in place at all, or is it is it more just sort of a working a working concept right now? I think a working concept, and I think by institutions, I think there are probably some institutions that might be further along in that aspect of it, but um, I think it's the way we've been able to at the college really be laser focused at Miami-Dade College and what we're doing around micro-credentials, stackable credentials, and the value that we see, and what the value that we see in badges, and, and keeping students motivated that they're seeing that progress towards their college education, because I think it's really important. The purpose of college, um, it's not just simply to train someone for a job, but it really is to build capacity to ensure that they're in a position for an opportunity to really drive a meaningful career, to be employed, not underemployed. And when they are, then they're going to be engaged in community. They're going to be better global citizens. So I think it's not just this transaction of prepare you for this job today, but the role of colleges in preparing you for the future of work and what that might look like. And again, on a career pathway, that's probably going to have multiple entry and exit points yeah. as a global economy continues to shift. And as we continue to see the need uh, to shifting our own skill sets. Um, every day, right? And this new definition, we used to always say in higher education, lifelong learning, right? And it seemed like, oh, we're going to be lifelong learners. This is really about leveling up and skilling yeah. up every step of the way in your career pathway, whether you're at the entry point of it mid or later in a career. And we see that. And I think that micro credentials give us a platform 
to level up employees at different parts of their career pathway. And I think that badges give us these other opportunities to keep our students um, you know, motivated and inspired in that they're learning in that long coursework, these meaningful skills that are going to require um, for a long career path. Absolutely. So to your mind, I mean, what are the obstacles that stand in the way of, of scaling micro-credentialing? Because I think, you know, we've seen a number of institutions kick off these programs and then they fall at hurdles, whether they're cultural hurdles um, in that, you know, folks haven't necessarily bought in. There can be infrastructural hurdles where the technology doesn't necessarily allow for that kind of flexibility. What are some of the obstacles you're seeing? Well, we're seeing uh, one some of the obstacles that we are seeing here in Florida, we're addressing them. Um, at the federal level, short-term Pell, I think yes. that the way that Pell's designed at the federal level. In Florida, we did open door grants, which were grant opportunities for institutions to tap into to be able to provide some financial aid to students who were in a micro-credential pathway and not necessarily a full degree pathway. So I think that's where one of the challenges, right, comes in. We know in the way that federal financial aid is set up, it's a degree program. It's the number of hours, I think when you're thinking about micro-credentials, if you start playing the hours game yes. and not the skills game, then, then I think that's where the value is going to be lost in micro-credentials being a pathway to gain meaningful skills um, and not a clock hour program. And so I think those are the challenges and we're seeing some of those addressed with short-term Pell, and then at state levels with other grant opportunities. You know, it's kind of neat watching our very quiet shift towards competency-based education. We're kind of embedding it into different, different programs. We're very quietly moving in that direction. And it, it excites me because we're doing it in a way that, to your point, it's not about building sort of transactional you come here, we give you skills, you go work. It's about building relationships that are based on, on sort of meaningful programming that still accomplish the goal of, of great citizenry, but also prepare people for lengthy and, and successful careers. It's it's a very exciting transition. Have have you seen what kind of what kind of excitement are you seeing at the campus level around around this shift? I see a lot of excitement. I see really our, our faculty, our deans uh, being creative and innovative. I think a lot of it has to do with just even the digital technologies. You look at artificial intelligence at Miami-Dade College, over 500 of our faculty went through AI uh, training and workshops. They wrote grants, competitive grants on how they could use AI in the classroom to enhance learning outcomes and student success. And I think that's the way that you excite the, the college community to be partners in the work that some of the digital transformation we're seeing doesn't need to be a silo of the technology department, but can be a horizontal, you know, a cross curriculum alignment where healthcare can see how they can use these digital technologies in their nursing programs or physician's assistant programs, but teaching and education pipeline can see how they can use 
these digital technology platforms and micro credentials to enhance teacher training uh, programs. And so I think while it's a strong vertical of our technology offerings mm -hmm. and majors, there is a real good place for the synergy of faculty among um, disciplines to come together and really embed these technologies and these digital platforms um, into various program pathways. And I think that's the way that you really not, you know, you don't build an initiative, but you build a movement within the institution that's sustainable. You know, that's a, it's such an interesting point, because I think one of the areas where we see fall off, right? I, I mentioned some of those, some of those cultural, the technological obstacles. On the flip side, we're seeing a lot of very siloed individual efforts at some institutions to launch micro-credentialing initiatives where, you know, different academic departments will approach it in different ways. There isn't a lot of centralization of, of effort or of planning. So you wind up with, you know, multiple shops doing multiple things. Uh, each has different definitions around their credentialing. Each might be using a different software to do their credentialing. Um, and rarely are those departments engaging with either the registrar's office or with the, the division focused on workforce and adult education who have expertise in developing these programs. So you wind up in a scenario where the institution has a lot of administrative expertise that isn't necessarily being leveraged by the academic shops when it comes to developing and delivering programming geared towards different audiences. Now, obviously, just from some of some of what you and your, you've highlighted, you guys have addressed some of that lack of centralization. So I'm curious. I mean, how have you and your your senior leadership group created that space for collaboration between administrative and academic leaders? You are spot on in making sure we were really intentional about, about not making this a different department, but really being integrative. And because of that, we have 98 college credit certificates at Miami-Dade College. So we've been intentional about it's not this department over here. It really um, comes to our college-wide curriculum committees. Um, we have cross-curriculum expertise um, in many of our planning and design meetings. So just the way that we organize and scale it to be able to do it, um, you know, we've launched 20 career technical certificates. So not only do we have you know, the college credit certificates, but we've got advanced technical certificates, career technical uh, certificates, and each one of them, we're creating pathways. They shouldn't be a dead end. They should stack into a broader degree in associates in science or in associates of arts. And then what we also did was align them to almost 100 industry certifications. And so that those lead into industry certifications and have that kind of validation. And that's a powerful way to show that there's these are really high quality um, technical training programs that are validated by industry professionals, right? And so I think those are those are the things that we've done to be really strategic and redesign our academic offerings and pathways to be responsive to the workforce needs of our community and to be responsive to students and employers and what they're asking us for. Absolutely. So if you take your crystal ball out for a moment, how do you think the micro-credentialing movement continues to evolve over the next five to 10 years? 
I think it just continues. When you think about LinkedIn learning, you think about micro-credentials, you think about digital badges, they're going to become part of that resume experience for employers. And I think that colleges are going to need to continue to help students put together that digital wallet of skills, if you will. Um, and that it's not only going to be just a degree pathway, but everything that you stack up and learn and the evidence in which you show that you have that knowledge. And I think it's really going to be, um, it's going to continue because I don't foresee that we're going to have an abundance of talent in, in regards to jobs that are available. When you think about jobs, and especially jobs um, that need those technical skills, and even, look, you think about healthcare, we need more nurses. Think about teachers, we need additional teachers. AI, look at the jobs that we're seeing there, let alone computer science. Um, but then you take manufacturing trades, all of those um, pathways, I think, are going to be built on stackable credentials that include micro-credentials, higher learning of associate degrees, on to bachelor's and post-bachelor's um, degrees. I think there's going to be that kind of portfolio of requirements to meet the talent needs for the country and for each of our colleges to meet the workforce needs of our community. Absolutely. You know, it's so cool to think about how we might be building towards this kind of integrative, robust learning ecosystem that's really designed around the reality that folks are going to be learning and working simultaneously. Like it's not, you know, you're going to do college for four years in between high school and working, and then you're a piggy bank for the rest of your life. It really, it really is, you know, the college can have a lifelong relationship with these learners. And as programming evolves and as the labor market evolves, there's always a place for these individuals to come back in, not necessarily as alumni, but as, as students, as learners. Absolutely. And we're seeing, I mean, you just continue to see that even think about um, traditionally apprenticeship programs, right? Yes. That were more in the trades. And now you see a pre-apprentice programs and apprenticeship programs coming out of other industry sectors interested in that. And that's a perfect example of someone that could come in in an apprentice kind of opportunity, but then continue on and earn um, that degree as they're evolving in their own professional career. And I think that another important role, especially for our colleges, will continue to be the two plus two partnerships with our universities That's and right. continuing to do that work um, along as well. Absolutely. Well, Madeline, I, I so appreciate your time. Before I let you go, now this isn't just a higher ed podcast. We're very passionate about higher ed. This is also a food podcast because I'm very passionate about restaurants. So out of curiosity, if someone finds themselves in Miami, where do they need to go for dinner? I think it's Versailles. Yeah, if you're in Miami, you want to come to a staple um, in our community. Um, it's a restaurant born and raised in Miami, and it's got the best Cuban food and for sure a mean Cuban sandwich. Ooh, and yes. you got to follow that up with a little colada. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, the first, my first Miami trip was uh, the first time I experienced uh, Cuban coffee, which was the, I, I, the condensed milk. and the That's right. Oh, that's rocket <laughs> fuel. My goodness. Madeline, it's been an absolute pleasure. I so appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been great to talk to you this morning. 
This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result, innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner lifecycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.